Thrill Me. This show is part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Experience more on Facebook and YouTube. It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here's your host, Mr. Wonderful. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Mr. Wonderful Show. Happy to be with you. Episode dropping a day late. That's because there were crazy amounts of recording going on yesterday on Wednesday. There is a new Patreon episode up on the Throw Me Podcast Network Patreon page for the Crypt of Horror as we started Season 5, Episode 1, as Crypt of Horror now just does one episode a month, and Season 5, Episode 1 features Tim Curry playing three different characters. So if you haven't checked out Crypt of Horror, you could go do that on the Throw Me Podcast Network Patreon page. And this month, now that we're into December, we'll get to season two. But season, or I should say episode two of season five, but episode one of season five is up right now on our Patreon. It's an episode, I will tell you this, directed by Gil Adler, who is one of the producers from season three. Actually, he was there from season two on Of Tales from the Crypt, as well as Al Katz, who has been a producer and was a producer of the show from season three on, and one of the head writers along with Gil Adler. They are the two that actually host the How Not to Make a Movie podcast, which began about the two of them getting back together to talk about the making of Bordello of Blood and how that ended up being a nightmare and was not the film that they were originally writing or even prepping for by the time that they got handed Bordello of Blood from Zemeckis's. Uh, old writing partners and, and a story that was written years prior. And I like the podcast. Definitely worth uh check out if you're a fan of Tales from the Crypt, the How Not to Make a Movie podcast. But you can check out the new episode of Crypt of Horror on the Thrill Me Podcast Network Patreon, as well as go ahead and check out the Thrill Me Podcast Network YouTube. Zach and myself, we recorded an episode where we rank all of phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe And in fact, we will actually talk a little Phase 4 coming up later on in the show when I give my non-spoiler review for the holiday special, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Uh, So yeah, you can check out that. That is up on the YouTube page right now where Zach and myself break down all of the MCU Phase 4 films. We give our list, so you can either agree with it or you can yell at us in the comments section. I'm sure many of you will not be happy with probably my list. Just going to go out on a limb. But also, while you're at it, go ahead, give a follow and a like to the Throw Me Podcast Network on Facebook, on Mention the YouTube, on the Instagram, and on the TikTok to stay up to date with everything happening. And you can go check out, as well, Haunter's Podcast on Instagram, that is, uh, we're going to have a special Haunters podcast episode coming out next week on Monday, I believe, Monday late evening, that episode will be dropping where Zach, Brooke, myself, and Brooke too will discuss the holidays at Universal Studios. We did a little Haunters family vacation for Thanksgiving, and we will talk about what's going on at Universal, the holiday experience there. So yeah, even Haunters podcast gets into the holiday spirit because why not it's christmas everybody loves christmas even the haunted people 
Sure, we're spooky 365, 366 on Leap Year, 24-7, but we could get into a little bit of the holiday fun as well. Let's get into the fun in this episode, though. Uh, lots to get to as far as entertainment news goes. few trailers dropped. We'll discuss those, but I do want to start with Easy Rider. Hollywood loves making sequels, reboots, pretty much remaking anything that they can get their hands on these days. And they have now announced that they are looking to reboot Easy Rider, which was the 1969 flick that featured Dennis Hopper, Peter Fonda, and Jack Nicholson taking a motorcycle ride through the Southwest to New Orleans, funded by money from a cocaine deal and aided by various substances. It was a big counterculture film when it came out. It was part of the auteur kickoff of Hollywood because if you... um, pay attention to the Hollywood scene Uh, in the sixties and and really big into the seventies. We saw this breakaway from studio films and it started becoming more of the independent films, more of the auteurs stepping in. The Francis Ford Coppola's started showing up in the world and that was easy rider really was essentially one of those big ones of the time that, captured the non-studio aspect of making a movie and making a really good film and again was counterculture it was all about pretty much that opposite of what was going on you know in 69 you had the hippie movement all of that so it really captures that time and that's what they're hoping this reboot will do they say that the reboot will be updated for modern times in fact one of the producers says Their goal is to build upon the counterculture and freedom narrative that the original left us with and give the youth of today a film that pays serious attention to their own countercultures and challenges. They also said this is going to be similar to like the Rocky Creed franchise in that way. Uh, And the producers behind this reboot, they're looking for bold writers and directors to update the project. So really right now it just stands in the we want to reboot it. But I was trying to think, what would this movie look like in 2022? And, you know, because marijuana is pretty much legal in most of the U.S. right now. You know, the majority of states have legalized it. We don't really ride motorcycles anymore. So what, is it going to be a hybrid moped that they're riding? Like, I, I don't know if this was the film that needed the reboot requel whatever you want to do you know I I mean I guess Jack Nicholson is the only one that's still with us and he's retired from acting so I don't think anybody from the original film will pop up in this new film but yeah I don't I don't know how I feel about this I don't think easy right like you can make your own counterculture films I feel like we we we've gotten some of those and and I feel like we could get a version of a counterculture film for our day and our time that doesn't need to rip off or redo what we've already gotten. So Easy Rider, that is getting a reboot, whether we like it or not. Something that took many years to get a sequel to Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick, was one of the biggest box office hits of 2022 so far. And while it's out of theaters and heading to Paramount Plus on December 22nd, we also learned that this film is going to be returning to theaters for a two-week engagement, actually beginning tomorrow. Uh, So if you're listening to this on on Thursday, day it dropped December 1st, it'll be back in theaters December 2nd through the 15th. 
and then leave theaters and then a week later end up on Paramount Plus just in time for Christmas watching with your family, unless you get it as one of your Christmas films. Maybe you ask Santa Claus for it, but it's coming back to theaters, going to make a little more money and just continue to pad itself as one of the top box office successes of the year. And speaking of movies from this past year, the Oscars. It's time to start looking ahead. We're into December now, so it's time to start looking ahead to the Oscars. And we just found out that uh, all 23 categories will be aired during the 2023 Oscars telecast. Bill Kramer, the CEO of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, announced the news earlier this week saying he can confirm all the categories will be included in the live telecast which you might remember last year when I was talking about the Oscars saying that they weren't going to do all of the categories. I was pretty harsh on it. I don't like the idea. I know the Oscars, people's biggest complaints is it's a four-plus-hour show, but the show is not intended to just be a basic... It's not intended to just be watched by a casual viewer tuning in for entertainment. The, The Oscars is really something for the movie lovers. And there's an audience of us, there are people like me, who will watch every second of the Oscars. And I want to see all of the categories get recognized because, yeah, art design matters as much as who's going to be the best actor or best actress or best film of the year. Costume design matters. Sound mixing matters. These, These are the things that matter the most and... To snub those people from being on the telecast irked me because they're not the face of it. They're not the ones getting the recognition. You know, we know who Martin Scorsese is and, you know, people know who John Williams is for the most part as well. But imagine John Williams not getting his moment to go up and accept an Academy Award. Because remember, music was one of the categories that got bumped last year. So I, I'm happy that all 23 are going to be back on there. Uh, that, you know, the eight categories that did not get put on last year. Uh, original score, like I said, uh, makeup, hairstyling, documentary short, film editing, production design, animated short, live action short, and sound. Those were the ones that were cut from the telecast last year. And a lot of people in the industry were outraged. People like myself were outraged. I know people out there who aren't into that type of thing don't, you know, are like, well, I'm tuning into this for for entertainment. Again, it's that's never what these award shows were about. These award shows really are just a big ass-kissing of people in the industry giving each other awards. I recognize that when I tune into it. I'm not tuning in going, what are they going to say? What's going to happen? What's entertainment thing is happening. No, I want to see who within the industry these people say deserve these awards, whether I agree or not. You know, I can disagree with the nominations. I can disagree with whoever wins in that category and think that maybe there was a film that deserved it more. But the show did still run for 220 minutes last year, even cutting the eight categories. So, They say that they are committed to having a show that celebrates the artisans, the arts and sciences, and the collaborative nature of movie making. Uh, And that is very much what the mission of the Academy is. So they're hopeful 
that they can do a show that celebrates all components of movie making in an entertaining and engaging way. And yeah, Kramer, you you finally get it. You finally get it, Bill Kramer. Like that's what we were all mad about last year. Is again, what you cut are all aspects of filmmaking. You cannot have Avengers if it isn't for the sound mixing or the score. You cannot have any of these Academy Award winning films without makeup and hairstyling. Uh, I know it's wild to say, but Suicide Squad, that is an Academy Award winning film. The David Ayers cut of, of, or I should say the studio cut of a David Ayers film. That is an Academy Award winning film for makeup and design. So, you know, you want to recognize these things. You want to recognize these categories. You want to recognize uh, the work that went into it because that's a lot of work, a lot of effort. So we want to recognize what these people accomplished and what they did in film. So the Oscars 2023 will have all three categories uh, present during the ceremony. Uh, big news for Netflix as well this week. Uh, we'll get to that that 90 show trailer in a second, but we learned that the Jenna Ortega series Wednesday about Wednesday Adams has become Netflix's most viewed English language TV title in a single week. Upon its debut back on November 23rd, the Tim Burton directed limited series has now notched 341.2 million hours viewed. And when you compare that uh, to the dark comedy show with other popular Netflix titles, uh, for instance, Ryan Murphy's Dahmer, dominated the Netflix top 10 for weeks, only came near the 300 million viewing hours mark at its height, while Wednesday has now topped Stranger Things Season 4, which had 335 million hours viewed in a single week. So Wednesday came along and was like, hey, Stranger Things, I'll see your Season 4 and raise you a few more million hours of viewing. So it's also worth noting that both shows... Uh, achieved those numbers only on their second week on the top 10 chart as well, the Stranger Things and and Dahmer, uh, as opposed to Wednesday, which accomplished the record-breaking feat in its first week outing. So the show, featuring its primary outcast at the mysteries of Nevermore Academy, sleuthing and scheming alongside vampires, werewolves, and hides and all that stuff, uh, was viewed by 50 million-plus households in its first week on the chart so awesome stuff I, I actually got to finish it I don't I'm not going to go into a full review of that uh, in fact review it Rob has you covered on the Wednesday review if you want to check that out he's got a non-spoiler conversation I will say I did call uh, certain things in the Wednesday show pretty early on not because it's predictable in that sense because they do do a really good job telling a story that is very um, it's it's like an Archie comics meets uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, but extremely well done. That holds my attention. Where Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, I tried so hard to give that show a chance and like that show, but I just could not get past four episodes before I was like, it's it's not for me. It's not my thing. Uh, I know Riverdale, a very popular show that I apparently have been told I would really like, but hasn't grabbed my attention but Wednesday is like a vibe of both of those 
but well done and really held my attention and uh, yeah, it's 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 good. It is good. Even even though I might have figured one or two things out pretty early on, I will say a little bit of it was luck and a little bit of it was also paying attention to certain little tiny details that I, I was like, okay, I see I see that. That seems very 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 um there's a reason behind that. So uh, I do recommend checking out the Wednesday show, but if you want a full review of that, review it. Rob has got you covered. Now, another Netflix show, that 90s show, this is the sequel to that 70s show. We got the first trailer for that that came out, and oh man, I am very excited for this. I loved that 70s show. Uh, actually, didn't watch that 70s show throughout most of its original run. It was when I started seeing random episodes on like FX. And they would do those blocks of like three, four hours of that and then some other show they'd, th- they'd show after that. But I started watching it that way and then eventually I went back and I watched from season one all the way to the end. Really enjoyed that 70s show. So I'm looking forward to that 90s show. Uh, Kitty and Red are back. Uh, new cast of characters, though, hanging out in the basement of the Foreman residency. Uh, it is Eric and Donna's kid so red and kitty's granddaughter is staying with them in wisconsin uh this is now in the 90s so there's there's some nice callbacks in the first trailer we see it's very heavily focused on red and kitty in the first trailer we we see the other cast of characters we don't see anybody else everybody from the original cast does make a cameo except for one character uh danny masterson we're not going to talk about his trial that just got thrown out but you know, he's been in the news for some things. So he was not invited back, but everybody else was. So we didn't get to see any of what they're going to be doing at any point. So no Ashton, no Mila, no Topher, no, you know, no Donna, uh, Laura Prepon, uh, no, no Tommy Chong as well in the trailer, but a lot of Red and Kitty. And, you know, they were in a way stars of the original series to begin with yes it's about the kids and their adventures growing up in the 70s in wisconsin with you know the pre-internet and all of that stuff kind of one of the last times before you started getting ataris and things like that and at-home entertainment and all of that starting to boom so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing where that 90s show goes looks fun looks cool uh and yeah sign me up for that Another thing you could sign me up for is the new trailer for the Super Super Mario Brothers movie dropped, introducing Anya Taylor-Joy as Princess Peach, Charlie Day as Luigi, and Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Not sure if you know who I am, but I'm about to rule the world. Bowser is coming. Together, we are going to stop that monster. Come on, Mario! Our big adventure begins now! They're all counting on us. Mario! No pressure. Wahoo! There's a little taste of the trailer that you could check out. Charlie Day is Luigi. Sounds exactly like Charlie Day, but apparently that's not an issue. But when Chris Pratt does a New York Italian accent, uh, it's just Chris Pratt doing Chris Pratt's voice and how dare he. So Charlie Day gets to just do sound like he's going to sell me kitten mittens and okay that's that's apparently okay i don't care i don't care what the voices are 
I'm somebody that grew up and I went to go see Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo try to do New York Italian accents in whatever the hell that film was that they passed off as a Mario Brothers film back in the 90s. Uh, Dennis Hopper in that one. Yeah, so I'm okay with whatever they're doing voice actor-wise. I'm excited for this. It looks like we're going to get a lot of the video game stuff thrown into it. Uh, I know at one point in the new trailer, we get to see uh, Rainbow Road. That got me super excited to see uh, the Mario Kart stuff with Rainbow Road. So I'm in. Sign me up. Uh, I, 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 I do like the little switch up as well that Princess Peach isn't the one that Bowser has taken. He actually has Luigi so Luigi is a little more of the damsel in distress for Mario and Peach to go save. Uh, we didn't hear Rogan as Donkey Kong, but we got to see Donkey Kong a little bit. So uh, I'm curious to see how people react to what I'm just going to assume is Donkey Kong sounding exactly like Seth Rogan and then doing the Rogan laugh at some point. <laughs> because Donkey Kong is clearly going to be a stoner. Uh, another trailer dropped and I'm... So excited for this one. Actually happy that I didn't record yesterday because we got our first trailer for a little film called Cocaine Bear. And it looks amazing. So this is based on a true story of a coke shipment that gets tossed out of a plane. And a bear gets loaded and it sounds pretty wild, dark, amazing. And here's a little part of the trailer as well. A lot of cocaine was lost. No, 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 don't eat that, don't eat that. Let's see what kind of effect that has on it. The bear, it did cocaine. A bear did cocaine. You're safe. Bears can't climb trees. Of course I can. Yeah, uh, Ray Liotta, you heard there in the beginning, this is one of his last films. So excited to see Ray Liotta have a, a role in this movie. Uh, I think he only has a little part in it. From what I gathered, I saw some people sharing that they got to talk to him prior to him passing away about being in the film. And from what I gathered from what he said, it seems like he's got a, a, a more minor role. Uh, I could see this film being one of those where it's a lot of characters in it and a lot of smaller roles to kind of make more of a, an ensemble type of cast. Uh, Felicity's in it. Carrie Russell... It's directed by Elizabeth uh, Banks, so it's... Man, if you have not seen this trailer, definitely... You heard a little bit of it there. Go check the trailer out. Uh, it contains tons of profanity, but again, it's one of Ray Liotta's last movies. It'll be out in theaters February 24th, uh, and yeah, the minute tickets go on sale, I'm going to be buying two tickets for that. All right, let's get into the review this week. So I got to check out the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which is out on Disney+. Plus. They dropped this on Black Friday, right after Thanksgiving. A little fun treat, uh, stocking stuffer, so to say, because that's what this is. This is a fun holiday special, very reminiscent of the old TV holiday specials. Uh, if the Star Wars one was done right, this is what it would be. And I will come out and say right off the bat, full disclosure, I'm a Guardians of the Galaxy fan. I rave about Volume 1. It is still my favorite movie of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hands down. I enjoy Volume 2. 
I defend Star-Lord's actions in Infinity War because they do make sense to the way he would react. Tired of people being like, no, he wouldn't do that. He 100% would have that reaction. You clearly weren't paying attention to the first two films if you don't think that's the way he would have reacted there. Uh, And I popped when they came back in Endgame. Uh, All of them. I, I, I popped pretty loud, you know, Everybody was having their reaction. You could tell in the audience who who was everybody's favorites. And the um, Guardians of the Galaxy were one of the ones that I did the loud woo for. I woo-girled it up for the Guardians. But getting into this holiday special, it is a fun little stocking stuffer of a special. It's short. Uh, it is a lot of Drax and Mantis. So we get to showcase where their relationship is now. I know Zach brought it up when we were doing our MCU uh, Phase 4 countdown and we were talking about this. Yeah, it's fun to see where those two characters are and their relationship from where it began in Volume 2 to the uh, Avengers films to now. So it's a fun pairing that does get to showcase those two more so than the rest of the Guardians. Everybody's there, but... but it really is a Drax, Mantis, and Kevin Bacon show for, for you know, the 50 minutes or so that this special is. Um, there's a fun moment as well where we learn that a certain 80s rip-off property does exist in the universe. That was a, that was a nice little joke in there that I know went over my fiance's head that I couldn't stop laughing at and had to explain to her. Uh, if you're a Kevin Smith fan, you, you know, they, they even re- reference it in Clerks too. Uh, so this property ends up popping up in the Guardian special, which is just so fun. Uh, it's got one of the funniest gags as well, uh, like payoff wise to a, uh, just a passing joke in Infinity War involving Rocket that I, you know, it just shows, again, the love and care that James Gunn has put into these characters and crafting every single Guardian story. And that's why I think I really like the Guardians of the Galaxy so much is I am a James Gunn fan. I have been a James Gunn fan since before he was a part of the MCU. Uh, I, I really recommend people go check out Slither. That is a really good James Gunn, uh, just creepy film. But I think his handling of these characters has helped it. And this is a very moving, very touching holiday special. Uh, it, it progresses all of these characters further a little bit more. It's a nice setup for what's going to come in phase five of the MCU. Eventually what's going to come with the Guardians of the Galaxy in their final adventure, volume three. Uh, at least this iteration of the Guardians that we know because James Gunn has promised that one of them will not be making it out of the next film alive. And yeah, it's a, it's a comic book film. So, you know, death is never really permanent in a comic book franchise, but still knowing that we are leading up to one of them uh, potentially being killed off for good or not for good. Uh, But this is a fluffy holiday special. It's a celebration. It is very authentic. It is warm. It is thoughtful. If you are, even the slightest fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy. It is a real treat. Uh, It could be the best piece of Marvel content we have gotten 
Again, if you go check out Zach and I ranking the Phase 4 of the MCU, you can see where I put it amongst 16 or 17 um, films, television shows, specials, animated series, all of that. So you can find out where I ranked it there. Uh, The soundtrack, again, on point. And I do want to say one last thing. Uh, This works very much so due to a very game an extremely game Kevin Bacon who came in and is having so much fun being a part of the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise and working again with James Gunn and old friends. So, uh, yeah, I really do love the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. I, I think it is the perfect little stocking stuffer for your holidays and is something that at the same time, while I mentioned, you know, there are payoffs to jokes here and there, it does stand alone. It's something that you could just watch to get into the holiday spirit as well. So there you go. Thank you guys for hanging out this week. If you've seen the Guardians holiday special, tell me what you thought of it. Hit me up on Twitter, wonderful underscore radio. Excuse me. That is wonderful underscore radio. As I start to choke, I'm just getting so choked up. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. But yeah, tell me what you thought of it. And uh, until next week, everybody, peace and love.